try to get started in the book of Hosea chapter 4. I've been going through the entire book of Hosea with the teenagers of the church. We were able to share the third chapter of Hosea not too long ago. And we talked about Hosea and his wife Gomer. Hosea's wife Gomer was unfaithful to him and God said to go take her back right in front of all of Israel. Show Israel, backslidden, spiritually adulterous Israel, show them my love and my forgiveness in a picture illustration. And so we talked about that last time. But even before that, we talked about their children up in the the teen room and the the children of Hosea and Gomer. You had the first child, which was a son, Jezreel, which his, uh, his name means God scatters. And God had scattered Israel among the Assyrians, among the enemy, because of their backslidden condition, because they had turned from the Lord. And then there was a second child, Loruhama. I don't know why I've gotten into this habit lately. When I go to the fast food place or something and they want a name, I've been giving them these real big names, I think. I think, I think the next one's going to be Lo Ruhama. And I'll, they just freeze and they want to ask me how to spell it and it gets awkward. They don't want to offend me for my name. Anyway, that's the next one probably. And, um, if I can draw your attention back, Lo Ruhama was, was named by her name for a very special reason. It means no pity and it means no mercy. And that's what a backslidden Israel was headed for in the condition that they were in. And then there was a third child, a son, Lo-Ami. And Lo-Ami means not my people. So you see that God used the entire family of Hosea as a picture of what's going on with Israel and how the Lord wants to forgive them and He wants to love them and He wants them to come back. He continued to use the family in this way. Hosea took back his unfaithful wife. He purchased her out of slavery just as the Lord Jesus purchased us out of the slave market of sin. And his children's names were changed. They were changed from not my people and no mercy. And they were changed to my people and have obtained mercy. And all of this was a picture of what God had for his people, what God had for the children of Israel. But they they went through a time and they went into spiritual adultery. I'll tell you what, they they dipped their toe in the water and they fell in and they started drowning in sin. Sin is absolutely nothing that we should toy with and play with, not even in our minds. Their spiritual unfaithfulness of Israel, it led to a physical, it led to a physical unfaithfulness 
physical, relational sin of the worst kind. I don't like to be graphic if unnecessary, so I hope you get the point when I say that and you can picture the children of Israel in the, in the depth of their sin. Law and order had become very weak among them. We all need law. We all need order. We all need instructions. But it had been watered down and neglected. The priests became corrupt And we're going to see that they were actually prospering and desiring to prosper from the sins of God's people uh, and the sacrifices that they made. And now Israel is going to be held responsible. This is the last in the book of Hosea that we hear about Hosea's family. And what we're going to get into now is a lawsuit against the children of Israel, and the Lord is judge, and the Lord is prosecutor in this lawsuit. So let's look in verses 1 through 3, and we're going to see the objection against Israel. The the prophet is simply... uh, functioning as messenger here. It's the Lord who is judge and in charge. And in verse 1, it says here, the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land." We see the results of a broken relationship between Israel and the Lord. Understand that they are sealed in covenant with the Lord, but there is no communication in relationship. You can't lose your salvation, and I don't want to say something this way in a way that messes anyone up, but you can lose your relationship in a matter of speaking, you know, because there's when there's no communication there. I've known a lot of Christians, and they have told me you wouldn't believe how long it's been since since I've even prayed to the Lord. So there is a brokenness in the relationship because they have chosen to turn from the Lord and the communication is just lost. And we see what's going on. There is no truth. They have walked away from the truth of the Lord. And there is, there is not only no truth, but they've walked away and turned from the mercy of the Lord. And they are lacking in knowledge. Over the past couple of months, I heard it said throughout the media that someone, you can guess which party they were with, but someone said that they believe that no Christian should be allowed to run for president, to run for office. Of course, nothing like that. Even even that's not going to get past in this day and time. It's ludicrous. I hope that day's not coming, but, but that just fell flat on its face. And that person can be very happy happy that they're not going to get what they ask for because because if there is a nation and there is no truth 
and there is no mercy of God, then that nation is doomed to fail. It's doomed to fall. No nation shall stand without truth, without knowledge of God. They're not going to last for very long if that's the direction that a nation goes. The, the throat of this country is slit if there is no knowledge of God. No nation can survive and continue to prosper. But as we look in verse 2 at the objection of Israel, it says, by swearing and, and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. Here we see the things there are things that are lacking. There is a lack of knowledge. And because there is a lack of knowledge, there is a giving into of, of lusts. Um, they are fulfilling their lusts when they're lacking knowledge. Knowledge is, is so very important. You know, Christians can't even coast as in doing nothing, they don't think they're doing anything real bad, but they're not doing anything real good. I've kind of dropped out of church and I'm just chilling out at home. A Christian can't even coast without falling into the wickedness of sin. Much less when you have the children of Israel here who have turned, they have turned away from the Lord and you see what happens when one turns away from the Lord. There is immorality and it can can't be avoided by them. And that's what they're doing. And there is an objection against Israel here. We continue to see it in verse 3. Therefore shall the land mourn, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Well... We, we see a truth here that we've all known for quite a while, and that is our sin does not just affect ourselves. Our sin always affects someone else. Even God's creatures we see here that their sin has affected. You know, we should, we should look to our Redeemer to start seeing our sin differently. We should always look to Him, and, and sin won't be so much fun when we're looking to Him. When we uh, confess our sins, as 1 John 1, 9 tells us to do, that means to agree with God over them. That means to explain them in as much detail as possible. No matter if we're for it, we know we've offended Him, and we need to explain those things to Him, and it's not quite so much fun. And it helps us to turn from those things. But we see that we can look to our, our Redeemer to see things differently, but, but we should look to our results of sin and knowing, even if we don't see them personally in our lives, we see what the Bible teaches about them, that it always affects someone else. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to do what I was going to ask the teenagers to do upstairs, and that is go ahead and look at someone. Go ahead and look at the person next to them. Go ahead, go ahead and play the game, and go ahead and look. Thank you, Keith, for, 
for participating. And, uh, and look at that couple looking at each other over there. I don't know if it's sweet or sassy, but you go ahead and look to the person next to you. And we can know that if we sin against the Lord, we, we are affecting the one we just looked at because we have learned by God's word that, that it affects the church and it hurts the church and it hinders the church when we sin against the Lord. It always affects one another. The children of Israel have affected one another. They have affected, they have affected all of creation, you know, the creation groaneth in their curse, waiting for the adoption, waiting for the, the curse to be lifted. And, and they have affected one another. Israel has affected others, the life of the animal kingdom and nature as well as themselves. You don't have to turn there, but you can make a note of Amos chapter 4 and verse 6. And there was a famine in the land. A famine in the land means that there was no food. It means it was a time of drought. And there was a famine. And the reason you will see for it there, because God's people had not turned back to the Lord. You'll see the same thing in Jeremiah chapter 14 in the beginning of the chapter, especially the second verse, the effects of sin and what it the what the effect that it has upon others Israel is guilty of these actions these results are happening and the Lord is calling them into his courtroom for trial but we also see that it's not just the children of Israel it's not just the everyday Christians there, we're going to look in verses 4 through 10, and we're going to see that the officials are guilty. You know, uh, one preacher said that uh, the only time that the church is totally in harmony is when he gets them all against him. Then they're all in harmony, everything's sweet. I tell you what, the children of Israel can all be in harmony here. Not in a good way, but in a way of they won't blame one another. They won't criticize one another. They won't do that if they realize what's going on. It's not the Lord having a case with them. The Lord has a case against them. It's the Lord against them in His courtroom right now. There's there's no place for Israel to complain about one another or to play the blame game with one another. The Lord has contention against them. They are all together in harmony, but in the wrong. The priest and the people are causing negative consequences over the land. Let me go ahead and stop and read. Let's read verses 4 and 5. It says, Yet let no man strive, nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. Understand that that word mother there is speaking of the nation. The nation of Israel is going to be cut off if they don't turn to the love and the forgiveness of God and they continue on in the way that they are going. And then in verse 6, it lists a reason for their fall. I don't want us to fall as a nation. I don't want us to fall as a church. And we see a very important thing of the number one reason for their fall. You'll see it right there in verse 6. It was a lack of knowledge. 
Knowledge is very important. We can't stop at knowledge. We need God's knowledge. We desperately need it. We can't stop there because from knowledge we move on to wisdom. Knowledge has nothing to do with applying it to life. It's just a step that must be take place first. We shouldn't ask the Lord for wisdom ever if we're not in His Word, you understand? Because from knowledge then comes the ability to apply it to life. We all ask the Lord, what do I do? What do I do in this case? Go to His Word. And when you go to His Word, you will get the knowledge and you will be able to carry out from God's point of view what God says that you should do. So knowledge is a very important thing. And they they were without knowledge here. And that is the reason for their fall. A lack of knowledge. I have heard of churches that have a really sweet fellowship. The members have a servant's heart. They're sound in doctrine. And I've heard the credit given to the preaching and teaching of the Bible. The teaching of God's Word. The knowledge that God's people are able to get helps them to walk in a sweet way. It's not if the preacher is funny. It's not just if the preacher loves you. It's if you are taught the Word of God. That's what makes for a sweet church. And that's what makes for harmony in the church. The priests of that day were supposed to be doing that. They were supposed to be teaching the people the law of God. And and they were at one time, but all of a sudden, they got sidetracked. Something else started taking place. Israel started getting knee-deep into sin, and so they were offering sacrifices for their sin, and the priests were able to, to take up take a fee for the for the sacrifices and for what they were doing, but they and they were not focused on the people's well being. They were only focused on money. They even encouraged the sin. They didn't speak against the sin and they were looking to prosper. They didn't care about people anymore, but what they could get out of it. So you have the priests that are guilty of not being faithful to teach the people the truth of the law. And they even started rejecting it themselves. They did reject the law themselves. They didn't, they didn't keep themselves maintained spiritually in the law of the Lord. I, uh, God saved me and then God calls the least likely of all the young men I was around to preach. I could, I could have pointed out several that could, could speak so well and seem to be growing so fast in the Lord. And then God called me to preach out of that group. And I have desired to learn the Word of God. I've desired to learn and be able to teach the Word of God. And He's steadily teaching me. And I want to do that. And I, 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 I want to keep studying, number one, for the glory of God. But number two, I heard a statement of commentary. It came up when I was studying this. But several years ago, this statement of commentary came up. And it, and it said, and, and the, the statement was, a group of people can, can only prosper can only rise to that of their leader. And, and there's some exceptions to that. I've known some deacons and some church members that are, that are more well versed in the Bible and knowledge than the preacher was. But for the most case, 
that's probably true. And that's what makes me long to learn the word of God more, because if I'm shallow, then the, then the majority of the church may be shallow. And so you think of the priests of this day and time, and they, they didn't even care about the law for themselves. They didn't care about it for the people. And let us see. Let us see the lesson learned. Let, let us, God forbid, we come to the Lord's church for fun and games and programs and entertainment. God forbid we would rather be doing anything else in the world during the time of the preaching of the word of God than to be in his sanctuary and feast on the word, because that is the backbone for the well-being of our church. And and it's what we must be doing, getting the knowledge of God. The priest, it says in verse 6, they had forgotten God's law. And that word means a little something, something more than forgotten. It means that they left it. It means that they walked away from the word of God for their own personal prospering. We have such a desperate need to for the for God's word that we absorb it that we desire it as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby that's that's the secret that's where it's all at for you and I as Christians the priests left knowledge and they pursued wealth when they left the law of the Lord and then in verses 7 and 8 listen as as we read it says as they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore, will I change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people and they set their heart on their iniquity to pursue wealth was by wanting to the people to sin and even enticing them to do so. Talking about the priests, that is, because the more they offered the sacrifices, the more they could collect that priestly fee. I believe it was Vance Havner that said, if God took up His Holy Spirit out of the churches, most of them would continue with business as usual. And unfortunately, that's probably a true statement for many. And the priests were, were up to business. Their fire and their passion became business when they walked away from the law of the Lord. And look what it did to the children of Israel. And you can go back to verse 2 anytime you want and look at the sins that they fell into. And all of this was because of the word of God not being uh, brought in and knowledge not being uh, had and, and grown in. The priests have turned a ministry into a business for personal gain. So the priests are being judged as guilty just as the people. You know, there's so much respect to persons in the law system here on this earth, but it's not that way with God. The priests were judged just as the people, and they were judged even more harshly than the people because they were more responsible than the people. And so God has brought them into the courtroom. Even the officials are guilty. Verse 9 says... And there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them of 
their doings. You see, there will actually be greater punishment for priests because their responsibility is greater. And then in verse 10, stay with me as we're looking at the officials and their guiltiness. For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. My, my, my. Doesn't that hit home with our flesh? And it's a good warning to you and I that we, we, any of us are capable of seeing this little path here. And, and we look at this path and we think we see something good. And we think that we can prosper from it. And we think that there's a better life down that path. And and even though it is against God's word, even though he says, don't do this, the flesh will take off and go down that path because they see prospering. They they see what's going to excite them. They they think they see satisfaction down that path. That's what the priests thought. The priests were going about and and the business was good. Sin offerings were were left and right and and they were prospering from it for a priestly fee. There was no satisfaction and there was no joy in it for them. They, they were deceived. Whenever we're out of the will of God and out of the word of God, it is so easy to be deceived. They were tempted to satisfy themselves with wealth and their own desire, and they were deceived by it that they walked, and they walked away from the Lord to pursue it. And they got neither wealth nor satisfaction. Well, this was going to be two messages for the teenagers. I was trying to make it into one tonight. But that's that's a good place maybe for you and I to leave off. To consider to consider how we see a path through our human eyes in our flesh that that we can prosper from, we best stay in the word of the Lord. We best let our loving Father, who's perfect, who knows our future, His providence goes before us. He knows what is very best for us. Just as He told the children of Israel in Jeremiah chapter 29, I, in paraphrasing, I want the very best for your life. And the Lord can give it. And all He needs is for you and I to humble ourselves before Him so that we might see that we don't know what's best. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. May we consider our precious Lord and and how blessed we are that He wants to lead our life. He demands that we lead our life. I mean, you have a choice, but but the but the choice is is it's fatal. It's fatal when we don't follow him and trust him and be still and know that he is God. Be still and see the salvation of the Lord Moses told the children of Israel. So we're going to we'll stop right there with and 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 something that that we need to remember is how the Lord initiated this and how He started it off with a picture of love 
and forgiveness. Would you come into God's love and forgiveness tonight because there is judgment for all. There's judgment for those who have never trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that judgment is the great white throne judgment. And, and that judgment is not a decision as to whether you might be able to go to heaven. That's for those who haven't trusted Jesus as Savior. And there's a grueling going over of their sins. And then it's the lake of fire for eternity. But there's a, there's a judgment seat of Christ. And that's for the children of God. And that's for the deeds done in the flesh. That's for the deeds we've done on earth. And there will be reward or there will be a suffering of loss. But there's a difference of, of you're just one of two kinds of people when you stand before God. You've either trusted Jesus or you haven't. If you have, I encourage you tonight to, to hold on to His Word, to hunger and thirst after righteousness, as Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount, that you might be blessed. Any other way is um, it's futile. It's, it's fatal for, for you and I. Would you, would you cling to His Word? Would, it let, would you let it lead you? more so than ever before. Would you really go to His Word for the answer? Because our feelings in our heart aren't going to tell us. Jeremiah said, The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? And then David said in the 51st Psalm, Create in me a clean heart, O God. So, so the answer's not there in the heart, but the answer's in God's Word. I pray you go to it. I pray you be led by it. I pray for me that I would continually be led by it because we can't go wrong there individually as Christians. We can't go wrong there as a church. Well, sometimes you just want to preach on heaven, but tonight in Hosea, it was God's judgment. And, and His whole word is good. We shouldn't leave a bit out. That's what God told Jeremiah. And so, so with that, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in a, in a word of prayer.